Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our Read With Us podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about book two and the first ten chapters. So if you are new to this podcast, make sure you go back and listen to our other episodes from the very beginning. We are going through our one book, one community selection, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, and breaking it down in bite-sized bits for you. So before we start, just a little bit of background for everybody. This winter, the Schomburg Library is putting on a one book, one community program. What this means is that we're trying to get our entire community to come together to read the same book, hopefully sparking conversations about identity, sacrifice, and loyalty. And of course, we want the entire family to participate, not just adults. So we have books for every age group. If you're interested in our books for the younger kids, make sure to check out that podcast specifically about the books Dear Juno by So Young Pak and Listen Slowly by Thet Hai Lei. So let's get on with it. Stephanie Driscoll, Creative Services Librarian for the Schomburg Library, and I have with me today Megan Swarick, Director of Reference Services for the Schomburg Library. Hello, Megan, and welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So book two, this book is titled Motherland, and it covers the years from 1939 to 1962. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about where we are at the beginning of this book? Sure. So it's 1939, and the scene opens with Yosef walking in the house with candy for Noah, who is now six years old. The house is quiet. Yosef can't find anyone there. It turns out everyone is at the jail because Isaac has been arrested. Him and two other people from the church were arrested for being seen as refusing to honor the emperor in Shinto ceremonies. Basically, the government wanted all the people to worship the emperor, and this was hard for the people of the church because they felt this was sort of like honoring a false god. So this is definitely a rough start to book two. We find out so much information in a short amount of time. We know that Yosef and Noah have a great relationship and that when Yosef eventually makes his way to jail, we find out that Isaac and Sunja have had a child, a one-month-old baby named Muzasu. Can you talk a little bit about what the family will do now that Isaac is in jail? Basically, they need to find a way to make money. Sunja knows that she has to chip in and decides that she can sell kimchi from a cart. Kung Hee is a great cook and makes all the kimchi from home, and then Sunja will go out and sell it. All right, so does this plan work? Are the women actually able to sell this kimchi? People love it, so much so that a man named Kim Chung-ho, who owns the barbecue restaurant in town, tells her that he's heard about her excellent kimchi and wants her to come to his restaurant and work for him. All right, so this is great news and obviously a load off for the family. So what's happening to the other characters during this time? The story moves forward two years, and all of a sudden, Isaac is let out of jail, but only because he's on the verge of dying. The family have a last few days with him, and there's a moving scene between Isaac and Noah, and Noah wants to stay home with Isaac. Isaac tells him to go to school and reminds him that he has to be diligent with his studies and always try his best. So even on Isaac's deathbed, he's still trying to do the right thing for others and always give his best advice. All right, so then after Isaac's passing, we have another time jump. We're moved forward two more years to December 1944. What's happening now? 
Kim Cheng-ho has just told the women that he's shutting down the restaurant because provisions are too hard to get because of the war. After he says this, a man walks into the restaurant and it's Ko Hansu. Sunja hasn't seen him in years and he tells her that he's been following her life this entire time, that he got her the job at the restaurant and now she must flee the city because it's not safe. Uh-oh. So after all this time, he never went away and was still making sure that her and technically his son Noah were taken care of. But why show up now all of a sudden? Things are getting really bad in Osaka with the war, and Hansu has heard bombing is going to start. He gets Yosef a job at a factory in Nagasaki and moves the women and children to a farm in the country. He's also able to get Yang Jin, Sunya's mother, out to the farm and reunite them. So these are all great things happening, but of course I kind of have to wonder about Yosef in Nagasaki, which is where we know the real bombing actually happened. Yosef ended up getting burns over almost half his body from an accident during the bombings, and for the rest of his life, he'll never be the same. Hansu was able to arrange his transport out to the farm after his injuries, but he couldn't treat him. He only has a little bit of pain medicine, and he warns everyone that once it's gone, that's it. All right, so at this point in the story, after the war is over, the family moves back to Osaka, and the boys are now older. Mosasu is 13 years old, and Noah has just finished high school. Can you talk a little bit about their differences? Are the boys very close? The boys are close. Noah is studious. He cares a lot about doing well and getting into a good college. Mozazu could not be more different. He hates school and he struggles with it. He gets into a lot of fights and he's treated pretty poorly at school because he's Korean. So the two boys are definitely dealing with different struggles. Okay, so this brings us to the end of chapter 10 from book two. I want to thank Megan for joining me for this podcast, and I hope that you'll tune in again for our next podcast covering the rest of book two, where we'll get to see a lot more of the boys and their futures in Japan. Goodbye. <music>